0: Coming to you live from Norwich, it's that time when... Ah, The comedy history podcast where each week we take you back into history to discuss some strange or unusual thing that's happened. I am your host for this week, Barnaby King, and joining me as ever is my lovely co-host Amelia Edwards. Yo! Yo there. How you doing?
1: <laughs> oh
0: yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, back. You know question. how 2
1: weeks ago it was uh, <laughs> this week it's uh,
0: Yeah, okay. We will
1: eventually get back to I'm fine, thank you. And yes. how are you?
0: Yeah, I keep forgetting that. I should really just stop asking how <laughs> you are. <laughs> well, okay. So, even though this might pile on your problems, uh I want to talk about schools. Oh my god. <laughs>
1: oh god why no it's
0: okay Okay. I I want to go back to your sort of early school days and I want to know if you ever had like a supernatural rumour or like urban myth? Did you have a ghost around the school that you knew of? Or of like... course I did, yeah. Yeah? Because yeah. I, I didn't, but I think I think some people have. Tell, tell me about your sort of supernatural playground myth.
1: Okay, well, you have to bear in mind that my school was a convent school mm. um, with a very gothic look to it. Yes. Um and we yeah, had, it,
0: it it kind of looks like Hogwarts. It
1: does look like Hogwarts. Um it has sort of pointy towers yeah. to it. And by the way, it's a very small school. It's not at all Hogwarts actually, but no, but no. we imagine Hogwarts looking like that. Yeah. So we had this myth that a girl had died at the school, mm-hmm. um, and that her ghost haunted um, basically the um, one of the old parts of the school. And yeah. then, when we built, when the school built an extension, mm-hmm. the ghost disappeared. We never encountered Ooh. her again.
0: So you you didn't like do anything about the ghost? Did anyone like hunt for it or try and you know solve the problem?
1: No, I think it was just one of those things where you could kind of boast about having seen her.
0: Right, okay. Well, then, clearly, you and your um, peers were not the stuff of monster hunters, unlike... A group of schoolboys in the Gorbals district of Glasgow in 1954. Okay. This is that time when Scottish schoolboys hunted a vampire.
1: Oh my God. So Is this going to be like that one episode of Rick and Morty where <laughs> they kill the coach? Oh yeah,
0: Coach Ferratu. Coach Ferratu. <laughs> not quite, not quite. So like I said, we're going into 1954 here in the Gorbals district of Glasgow, which is on the south bank of the River Clyde. Uh, Great, I know it well. Mm, the name Gaubles, uh there are a number of theories where the name came from. I think the most popular is that it comes from ecclesiastical Latin. Really? Yeah, and it means sheaf, like a wheat sheaf. But there are other interpretations. Um, Gorbals <laughs> is quite an old district, although it was sort of like... Much smaller in the beginning. I think it was its own separate village for a okay. while and then it sort of became part of the city.
1: Oh, I, right. I, I love those sorts of districts. Mm. I mean, we live in one of those sorts of districts, yes, although only true. just. Yeah. But for Norwich, so.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so uh, around this time, as I say, 1954, a rumour began to float around the schoolyards particularly we're talking about primary schools but there were some older students as well and the rumour went that two children had been abducted and killed by a creature okay a seven foot tall vampire with red eyes and iron teeth
1: Uh, okay yeah okay first up that's pretty cool it
0: is pretty cool right
1: secondly had children disappeared no (laughs) <laughs> okay, right. the,
0: according to the police, there were no reports of children going missing in any sort of way in this area mm. <laughs> so
1: but what if this is like the monster from it yes. and it's actually just made all Ooh, the adults forget yeah. about these kids oh it
0: could be mm. yeah so the police yeah didn't they weren't getting involved with this because as far as they're concerned nothing happened okay and it was it's one of those things where it's like oh, a friend of a friend knew the boy who was who was taken or mm. something like that it was all very vague.
1: Oh, my God. Okay, so I love that this happens in the 1950s mm-hmm. because I'm straight away thinking, like, e- these kids are, like, Enid Blyton-style kids. <laughs> um, but also because it means it's before internet culture. Yes. Like, if this happened today... Mm-hmm then you would have loads of people pick up on this rumour and yeah. then it would be like, the seven foot tall vampire is coming to your school. <laughs> like those killer clowns a few years uh, ago. Yeah,
0: or um, Momo.
1: Oh, Momo. Yeah. I mean, the killer clowns one happened during my training year and it was just such a pain because yeah. there were all these sweet little year sevens who genuinely thought that clowns were going to come to the school yeah. because people said that they were. And I was like, we are in the middle of absolutely... <laughs> Nowhere, they
0: are not coming here, <laughs> but also, like, they like kids do you do believe those sorts of mm. things, or like, part of you does, and it can still yeah. be very, you know, nerve wracking and stressful. So, even though the police are like, What are you talking about? This is bollocks, yeah,
1: the children will believe yeah. this thing because why would people lie to them
0: exactly? And so, the rumor spread quite widely, becoming very well known. Uh, I've got uh, some interviews with some of the boys who were involved in this. Um, In 2010, uh, a guy called Ronnie Sanderson, who was eight years old at the time, he spoke to the BBC and he said, "'It all started in the playground. "'The word was there was a vampire "'and everyone was going to head out there after school. "'At three o'clock, the school emptied "'and everyone made a beeline for it. "'We sat there for ages on the wall, waiting and waiting.' I wouldn't go in because it was a bit scary for me. Mm. I'll talk about where it is in just a sec. Okay. I think somebody saw someone wandering about and the cry went up. There's the vampire. That was it. That was the word to get off that wall quick and get away from it. I just remember scampering home to my mother. What's the matter with you? She would say. I've seen a vampire. And I got a clout round the ear for my trouble. Oh no. (laughs) I didn't really know what a vampire was. Oh no.
1: I'm glad childhood has changed slightly. Yeah, right. I mean, I know we don't have cute stories like vampire hunting eight-year-olds. Yeah. But on the other hand, we also don't have parents hitting their children because <laughs> they say they've seen a vampire. Yes. Jesus.
0: Yeah. Well, because of this, the school children basically decided that if the adults weren't going to help them, they would have to help themselves. Oh. Yeah. Something had to be done about the Gorbals vampire before it claimed another life. Okay. So before we get on to the actual hunt itself, I want to kind of look at the surrounding area and kind of like think about how did this rumour start if there was no evidence for it. Mm -hmm. There are some theories uh, that floated around as the inspiration for the Gorbals vampire, but I want to sort of take a look at the nature of this district of Glasgow at the time. Okay. Uh, Gorbals had been quite a poor district for quite a while. Uh, during the 19th century it was an industrial suburb and it housed a great number of Catholic and Protestant immigrants from Ireland and Italy Okay, as well as a large number of Jews who had fled from Russia and Eastern Europe.
1: Ooh! I didn't know that Glasgow was so multicultural.
0: Apparently so. Nice. And as a result of this it was a massively overpopulated area. Mm. And this just kind of continued. Uh, by 1914 it was understood that of its 19,000 houses 48% of them were overcrowded uh some of them to the point that eight families were sharing a single bedroom oh my god there were thir- wait a bedroom yeah
1: not even the house no
0: <laughs> <laughs> there were 30 people to a toilet okay and 40 people to a water tap
1: oh okay yeah. so i can un- okay i'm trying to get my head around this because like i can kind of understand the toilet thing because this is the- still the era yeah. of like outdoor courtyard mm. toilets
0: that's true yes
1: but it's like okay, eight families yep. living in a bedroom. Yep. And I'm kind of assuming that these houses are probably about the size of our house currently.
0: Yeah. I mean,
1: I don't. I mean, think...
0: technically, this is a two-bedroom. Yeah. No. No. That's what I mean. So <laughs> oh, I imagine, imagine oh, trying. To, I see what you mean. Imagine yeah. even
1: trying to fit one family in our spare bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> that would be mad. It's only got enough space for Lombardi the rabbit.
0: Yes, that's true. But he does take up a lot of room. He
1: does. (laughs) He is very
0: big. He is a huge bunny. Anyway, in order to sort of try and deal with this uh, overcrowding and the housing problem, uh, a few things happened. Uh, Firstly, the boundaries were extended of the district in order to sort of create more housing.
1: Um That doesn't sound like that's actually going to solve anything. No,
0: but it appears to.
1: Oh, great. (laughs) Well, it's good to know that that kind of like stupid box-ticking measure still existed back in 1914. Oh,
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: Part of the measures was clearly just sending all the men to war.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Then at least you'd cut out half of them. I'm sure that did help. And then when we get beyond the World Wars, uh, there was post-war planning of the 1950s which saw the demolishing of older houses Mm -hmm. to make way for high-rise flats, uh, great concrete structures on a grid network, uh, in order to maximise the space as much as possible.
1: Oh, this is one of those moments where you kind of go, high-rise flats were a really good idea.
0: Well, yes and no. Because the thing is that cramming people together and just kind of building upwards has Mm -hmm. never really been conducive to good social health and the industrial nature of the area as well because it was a place of industry meant that there weren't really amenities available for the children of the district okay there weren't any parks there were no gardens and there were definitely no playgrounds
1: fantastic exactly here i was hoping that it would be like a new town like in gregory's girl or something
0: no it was very much you know this is a place where people sleep and work and that is it yeah yeah but amongst these soot-covered concrete towers...
1: <laughs> Great.
0: Yeah, this is literally how it was described. There was one area that would have looked very out of place. In 1839, in response to the crowded state of the Old Gobels burial ground, a new cemetery was planned... A large amount of land, it's about twenty-one acres, was bought from a local landowner, and in eighteen forty the first burial took place at the southern necropolis.
1: Oh I love the
0: word necropolis. That's such a good word. It just means dead city.
1: But that's so <laughs> like that sounds so cool. I know,
0: right? And the southern necropolis exists to this day. Ooh. And it has over 250,000 people interred within it.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. That is a dead city. I
0: know, right? And it's got a few famous people as well. Sir James Lipton is buried there of oh, Lipton tea? tea. Oh my God. Yeah, right? I don't know why I'm so
1: excited <laughs> about that, but
0: I really am. I know, right? It's like. When I say, you know, famous people, they're not hugely famous. But, but I... Jesus,
1: that iced tea really <laughs> affected one of my most memorable birthdays. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, I had a weird birthday, and yeah. this is going to completely ramble. That's fine. So I had a weird birthday one it. time <laughs> where a group of my friends and I were going to go to the cinema, and we were going to go see a film. Right. And, like, this was when we were young enough that my mum was taking us. Yeah. Um And... We hadn't planned what film to go and see. So we got to the cinema, which right. was at the Brighton Marina. Yeah. And there was absolutely nothing that anyone wanted oh, to no. watch. So we were like, okay, <laughs> what should we do? So we ended up going for this like ramble around Brighton. Ah. And, at fa- and like that sounds kind of a bit weird and pathetic but it was actually magical because for some reason the lipton iced tea people were out in force that day
0: right and they were
1: giving out all these free samples oh, amazing. so we kept getting free samples of iced tea <laughs> and there were people at like stains gardens yeah. like blowing bubbles and things like that and we walked towards the seaside and past the brighton pavilion and it was just incredible i, uh, I don't know why i
0: mean that sounds like a pretty good day now to be honest
1: <laughs> i mean right now well doesn't yes. that sound like the best yeah, thing ever absolutely at the time it was like this is not how you spend your 14th birthday like (laughs) but like now i look back on it i'm like you know that was pretty cool and hipster yeah
0: absolutely so the cemetery itself uh is classed as a grade b listed building Mm -hmm. and the gatehouse is a grade a listed building oh nice i'm going to show you a picture which i will put up on twitter That is the Southern Necropolis Gatehouse.
1: Ooh. So
0: if you think about that in amongst concrete high-rise flats... Yeah.
1: I I feel like I should describe it to people a little bit. Sure, I mean, yeah, sure, sure. It looks like... So normally I was kind of expecting the gatehouse to look like a normal gatehouse off of a National Trust property Mm. or something, where you normally have, like, a little cottage. Yeah. But this is, like, the front part off of a castle... Yeah. uh, ...with an extra tower... Um, When did you say
0: that this was built? 1840.
1: I have a horrible feeling I know why that's got a tower on it. Yeah? Yeah, because around the 1840s, a lot of um, cemeteries in Scotland used to build little watchtowers just in case of grave robbers.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. In case Burke and Hare turn up. Yeah, literally. Because it was,
1: it was becoming such a problem. Yeah. I think it was more in Edinburgh, but I could imagine it happening elsewhere in the country.
0: Well, I mean, you'd rather it not happen at all. So yeah. just stick an extra watchtower on.
1: Yeah, and also it makes it look fancy in necropolis-y. Yeah, if does, you're If you're going to have a necropolis, you might as well have a castle at the front.
0: Yeah, I think it's worth having a look at some pictures of the necropolis itself. It looks like quite a nice place, to be honest.
1: Well, road trip?
0: Yeah, <laughs> So, not only does it sort of look out of place, but it's also kind of the only green space available.
1: Oh, God. So,
0: well, as a result, it became a bit of a playground for the local kids. Yeah. Because those sorts of places, like, a little bit out of the way, enclosed, lots of trees and that, Mm. it's it's prime material for youngsters to go romping about in.
1: Absolutely.
0: (laughs) I mean, we had, like, a number of fields around us uh, down in Sussex.
1: That's true. I did also hang out
0: in the graveyard, though. I mean, yes. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But that was because I was in the church choir. Yeah, fair enough.
0: (laughs) So despite it being like quite a nice looking place and, you know, very peaceful, everything like that, mm-hmm. that would change at night <gasps> and it would become very sinister. And not just for the obvious reason, because clearly graveyards can be creepy enough at night. Oh,
1: yeah. But like trying to go back after choir practice at <laughs> nine o'clock at night was always, there was always a little bit of a moment oh, where yeah. you go, am I going to get haunted? Yeah,
0: right. But this, okay. This is mad. You know I said this is an industrial area? Yeah. Just behind the southern necropolis, founded the same year as the planning took place for it, Mm -hmm. uh, William Dixon had the Govan Ironworks built. Okay. These ironworks quickly took the nickname Dixon's Blazes. It had five blast furnaces. Right. It would belch smoke out over the local area. Oh, my God. And it would, at night, it would bathe everything around it in a red glow.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Right? Okay,
1: this sounds awesome. I mean, it does,
0: right? I really would like to have seen it.
1: (laughs) All I'm imagining right now is, and this is going to be such a niche reference, right. but there's an episode of Frasier.
0: <laughs> you know yes, the one I'm talking about. I know about. the one you mean. But
1: for people who don't, there's an episode of Frasier where his agent is trying to seduce him. Yeah, and they and he thinks that she's like the devil. They're
0: doing a whole Faustian pact thing.
1: Yeah, and like they've got people doing a choir rehearsal downstairs, and they're singing some kind of like <laughs> O Fortuna style music. And And then they've got, um, I think it must have been like uh, fluorescent lights outside that bathe everything in this red glow. And I'm just imagining the cemetery being pretty much like that.
0: Yeah, basically.
1: Excellent. With
0: flickering red light going through it. With fire. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh my god. Okay.
0: So of course, this is obviously fertile fodder for creepy urban myths. Sure. And it's no wonder that the southern necropolis was believed to be the home of the Gawbles Vampire. Mm. So the schoolchildren of the area, rather than hiding away in their beds or just kind of like, you know, being like, there's a ghost, we're not going to do anything about it, unlike you.
1: All right. <laughs> I mean, she was friendly. Yeah, there was enough. nothing we had to do about her. Okay,
0: fair enough. But these school children, they were just like, no, nah, we're going to get the bastard. Yeah, good.
1: <laughs> I mean, what else do you have to do? Your kids. And there's no Xbox.
0: Yeah. Messages were passed around, organising this, Mm -hmm. and weapons were made, Mm -hmm. and on September the 23rd, 1954, an army of schoolboys descended (laughs) upon the southern necropolis in order to hunt down the creature. Oh my god. Now, we don't have an exact figure for how many children joined the hunt, Mm -hmm. but it seems to be between two and four hundred boys. What? Aged between fourteen and five four years old
1: oh my god it was... i really hope the four-year-olds were like someone's brother they were it okay. was
0: from interviews it was basically the older boys brought their younger brothers along to it yeah
1: <laughs> I, I just had this image of like a four-year-old being like mom i'm out <laughs> <laughs> well okay don't get yourself into trouble <laughs> okay
0: mom <laughs> No, they they were with their older brothers, although I think the brothers might have deserted them at some point. Great.
1: (laughs) I mean, brothers will brother. I
0: mean, absolutely. But, you know, it's all right. They were all armed with knives and wooden spears that they had made. Oh, my God. And some had even brought the family dog along as well. To that's, act as like a hunting hound.
1: That's a smart move. It is
0: smart, yeah. yeah. They, they clearly knew, like, they had a plan. They had a vision for what it was going to be.
1: I like that they brought stakes, so they clearly know their vampire lore.
0: Well, sort of. It seems that that was just because they were easy to make. In oh. fact, interviews uh, with some of the boys uh, later on... They actually... Some of them said they didn't know what a vampire was. Like, no one had seen Christopher Lee movies. They didn't know about, like, staking the heart. Yeah. In fact, the general considered opinion was that they they had to cut off its head.
1: Okay. Well, that's true. Which, that, I mean, that's it, true. it is a
0: vampire thing. Yeah. But it, it, the the wooden spears is j- entirely coincidental.
1: Oh. That's so interesting. I know, right? I mean, wouldn't it be great if they had found a vampire and killed it and not realised why <laughs> that <had> would <worked? laughs>
0: Yeah, that'd be great. (laughs) The vampires are like, the humans have worked out how to kill us. It's like, no, it's a complete accident. (laughs)
1: That's how people worked it out in the first place. There you go. (laughs) There you go.
0: So I say that this was, you know, organized. But it seems that once the actual hunt got underway, that organization broke down quickly. Mm. There wasn't really much of thought alive how to actually do the hunt beyond just we'll turn up and get him.
1: Well, that sounds pretty much accurate for four to 14 year old logic.
0: Oh, absolutely. So groups kind of formed up and went off their own way. Uh, a veteran of the hunt in 2016 in an interview said that the older boys would climb up the trees in order to get a good view of the area, presumably leaving their toddling brothers down below.
1: <laughs> do you realise you just said a veteran of the hunt? I do.
0: Yes, oh I my wrote God. I wrote that specifically. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very aware.
1: <laughs> okay, cool, cool.
0: <laughs> so the fact that the boys were climbing trees actually probably made everything a bit worse. Yeah. Because the light from Dixon's blazes... Yeah. ...created really long silhouettes. Oh, no. So it looked like, you know, a seven-foot-tall vampire creature. Oh, my
1: God. <laughs> this is... Okay, this whole thing is reminding me of one of my grandpa's memoirs of his life growing up in Wales before World War Two. Yeah. So they used to play a game... Um, which I think was called like Fox and Hares or something like that. Okay. And what you do is you get a um, you get a tin can. Yeah. Because this is Depression era times. Yeah. And you bend the lid round so that you can hold it, and you put a light in there. Right. And like a little um, a little candle. Yeah. And that is the hare. The hare has to run round with that at uh-huh. night, and the foxes have to like chase him. Um. And this is just reminding me so much of that idea. And I'm kind of like... He told me this, and I was like, "No one would ever play that today." But this I mean, is it, such a fox and Hairs moment. It
0: sounds fun, but terrifying. It's,
1: it's okay. This is what you do when you're so poor yeah. that your brother was born with rickets.
0: Yeah, fair enough.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it does sound fun though. Oh yeah, it
0: really does. You could totally sort of like gentrify that and do that as a a modern thing.
1: I could see like, grown up at like grown up drunken people playing yeah. that if you had a big enough field.
0: Yeah, it would be our generation, I think. Oh yes, yeah, millennials. God, damn millennials.
1: <laughs> Coming over here, taking our jobs. Wait, no, that's the wrong stereotype. No,
0: absolutely not. <laughs> anyway, so not only do you have flickering silhouettes from the boys in the trees, mm-hmm. but you've got smoke around the area sort of obscuring everything. Oh it's, my God. it's dark uh, as well as like these faint red glows and that.
1: <laughs> but, like the glowing eyes of the vampire.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it was mass chaos okay yeah because and there's
1: four, up to 400 up to children. 400
0: children and someone would shout that they'd seen something and it may well have just been you know an older boy who was slightly taller yeah who moved and then it created like a shadow or even just like the headstones themselves casting a shadow that moves as the ironworks blaze
1: yeah victorian tombstones could be quite tall yeah
0: absolutely. So someone would shout that they'd seen the vampire or they'd seen the monster and groups would rush in one direction and it would create panic in those who hadn't heard the shout because suddenly all these boys are running a particular oh, no. way. Uh, one of the men interviewed said that he and others of his group always made sure that they could still see the gatehouse.
1: <laughs> That's a good plan, no children. No matter where
0: they run. I well thought, done. Yeah, well done. That is That, that would be me. <laughs>
1: yeah, those, those are definitely the kids who would have played point-and-click adventure games. <laughs>
0: yes. So, of course, this hunt is not going to go unnoticed. Mm. And police constable Alex Deeprose arrived at the necropolis. Okay. And he had been called in on reports of a large number of boys at the cemetery. And he basically thought that it was just some school children vandalizing things. Right. So he turns up, you know, expecting oh, like a few, maybe about 10 at most there. Yeah. Just sort of like up to mischief.
1: And you're like, it's a whole school. And hey. he said, yeah,
0: he sees up to 400 boys loaded for bear. <laughs> and rather than running away from the constable, they ran up to him, yeah. which, you know, he found weird. Yeah. Yeah. They told him what they were doing. <laughs> some of them asked him for his help in hunting oh. the monster and others begged him to convince them that it wasn't true.
1: Oh, bless them. I know, <laughs> they right? They must have been winding themselves up all night. Yeah, oh, absolutely.
0: So Alex Deeprose is like, this is more than one police constable can handle. <laughs> yeah. So he calls in some backup to try and get these boys out of the graveyard. But with the necropolis being 21 acres in size, mm-hmm. lit only by the dim red light of the ironworks and obscured partially by smoke, this probably only added to the confusion because suddenly there are much taller figures. Oh no,
1: and they've got glittering red eyes. Yes,
0: who are just roaming around, <laughs> chasing after them as well.
1: Nope, bad move. I, I, see, the problem is like, my teacher mode snaps in now. I'm like, I know how I deal with this. Yeah, how? Okay, what you have to do is you have to go in and you have to do the awful teacher voice thing oh, right. which is like you're not shouting at anyone you're doing the okay children we're going to go this way like that <laughs> thing that's what you do and you're just like okay everyone towards the game they're, we'll like, nah. the
0: they're like no they're like no buggered off teacher we're hunting a vampire <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So clearly, the police did not manage to stop the hunt. Doesn't sound like it. No. I mean,
1: to be fair, it sounds like they would have been pretty outnumbered by all these boys yeah. with knives and with spears. knives and
0: spears and dogs. Yeah. But the hunt did eventually stop. But what what stopped it was that it started to rain, and clearly the boys' resolve <laughs> was not strong enough to I stay. I love children. I know. Oh my
1: god. That's it, so typical.
0: They just didn't want to stay in a chilly, wet graveyard. No. <laughs> so one by one, they went home. Yep. But this wasn't actually the end of the hunt. Okay. The police went into schools the next day and were like, basically, what the f*** happened here? Yeah. There is no vampire. No children have been kidnapped. Don't go stalking around the graveyard at night. Yeah. The boys didn't listen. They
1: were like, that's the kind of thing a vampire would say.
0: (laughs) For the next two nights Ah! they went back and continued the hunt.
1: Oh my god, (laughs) their teachers must have been so pissed off.
0: I know, right? Because
1: they would have come into school the next day and been all sleepy and been like, Miss, I can't write an essay today. (laughs) I've been chasing vampires all night.
0: How would you deal with that? (laughs) (sighs) Z Pons (laughs) up. This child has problems, but so, what happens when it's four hundred?
1: So, c-poms is a um a thing that we like an online system that we use just so that other people know, yeah. um, to record any kind of like behavior issues. A lot of the time, children are quite sleepy, and that's the sort of thing mm. we have to put down just in case it's like indicative of further problems. Yeah. So, yeah, if a child's sleepy because they've been chasing vampires all night, I'd just c-poms that, <laughs> leave it to someone else.
0: <laughs> this is not my problem anymore.
1: Nope. <laughs> Incidentally, I love playing the Seapom's game while watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is like, <laughs> you watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you're like, how often should Giles be sea this? <laughs> oh, it's
0: good fun. It is great.
1: <laughs> the answer is frequently.
0: Yeah. So by the third day, the novelty had kind of worn off. No one had found anything. Mm. They're all s- sleepy. They're all sleepy. So the hunt just kind of ends a bit <laughs> anticlimactically. Because, you know, there wasn't anything to find.
1: As far as you know. As
0: far as I know. I mean, the fear of the Gorbals vampire didn't stop there. Mm. Like, there were still many boys who fervently believed in it and believed, you know, it was a threat. Yeah. And it, I think it was as much this as it was, you know, trespassing in the graveyard that meant that the adults now decided that something had to be done. Okay. So I already talked about kind of the setting of Gorbals and how it might have influenced things and yeah. like been fodder for that urban myth. But there are some uh, theories as to specific origins of this seven foot tall vampire with red eyes and iron teeth. Okay. And it's that last fact that generally gets picked up on, the iron teeth. Mm. So some have attributed the idea actually to the Bible. Okay. In Daniel chapter 7 verse 7. After that, in my vision at night, I looked and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left.
1: But isn't Daniel part of the apocrypha?
0: Uh I didn't think so. Isn't Daniel the one who goes into the lion Dan?
1: Yes, but the book of Daniel, I think, is part of the apocrypha because oh. that's where the story of Susan at her bath comes from and oh. also the story where he basically uh, does a detective mystery.
0: Right. Okay. I didn't come across that in this. Yeah,
1: I'm wondering if internet people are maybe reading too much into things. They might have done. Something to bear in mind is that the apocrypha is usually not taught. Like, you have to go yeah. out of your way to find a Bible with the apocrypha yeah. in it.
0: Yeah, okay. Because I was originally, when I was researching this, I was thinking, thinking, okay, yeah, like, I can imagine schoolboys getting taught Bible verses, mm-hmm. and like, not really listening to it, or like, thinking about it in the ways you're meant to with religious texts.
1: Yeah, like, that would make a lot of sense, but I kind of think it might be part of the apocrypha, I'm going to look it up. Fair enough. Because I, I want to be sure. Yeah. Oh, okay, so I could be wrong. Right. Um, there are additions to Daniel in the Apocrypha, which right. include the story of Bell and the Dragon and Susanna and the Elders.
0: Right. Okay. So
1: the the Iron Teeth could be mm. part of the main Bible or they could be part of the Apocrypha.
0: Okay. Well, I think it's kind of considered the least likely of these mm. origins. So we'll leave that aside. Okay. Uh, this one, this next one, is much. More likely, although it's not the most likely and not the one that kind of people went with. Okay. But there was a poem which was inspired by Legends of a Ghost Haunting Glasgow Green. Okay. There's a poem by Alexander Anderson, and it's a cautionary tale called Jenny with the Iron Teeth.
1: Ooh. Uh,
0: <laughs> Jenny with the Iron Teeth is how it's written. Lovely. So I'm going to uh, play a bit of a recording of someone reading out the, ver- the first stanza, and I'm going to put on Twitter the link to the whole thing. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. What a plague is this of mine. We steep the ye, though a happen more the eed as cozy as can be sleep and let me to my work Are they clays to earn Jenny with airn teeth come and take the burn. So the poem basically goes on to be a cautionary tale to tell children that you have to go to sleep and let your parents do their work and rest Mm -hmm. because if you piss them off so much they will call Jenny with the Iron Teeth to come and take you away. Oh
1: my god (laughs) I love cautionary tales. I know
0: right it's a bit like in Labyrinth where Jennifer Connelly asks David Bowie's Goblin King to take away her baby brother.
1: Yeah. Listen she's going to words. I can bear no longer Goblin king, Goblin king, wherever you may be, take this child of mine far away from me. <sighs> oh.
0: That's not it. Excellent that rubbish. It doesn't even start with I wish. <sighs> There's
1: a Russian fairy tale that's kind of similar. Yeah. Where um a girl is playing with her like is left with her baby brother to babysit him mm-hmm. but leaves him outside uh, and then he gets stolen this. by i think probably baba yaga yeah, and she has to is. go yeah. get him
0: <laughs> yeah i mean the, the rest of the poem it's uh it's not very long uh the recording itself is only about two and a half minutes but it has about like how jenny with the iron teeth is basically going to bite them in the side oh yeah creepy and then it's like oh what what noise is that oh jenny's coming go to sleep child
1: oh god <laughs> children know. have so much to be scared of <laughs> I know. like my mom told me the long-legged scissor man thing when i was young to cut off your thumb to cut off my thumb yeah. because i was a thumb sucker when i was little <laughs> and um yeah long-legged sc- scissor man what is it stroll peter in german yes, is gonna yeah. come get me and then also like all of um hilaire belloc's yeah creations uh,
0: what is it like the the girl who lied and burned to death or something
1: matilda, matilda. who told lies and was burned to death <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah cautionary tales they're great but it's like wow this is dark like you're just telling children be afraid of everything <laughs>
1: everything that people (laughs) used to tell children is like that and i think we should go back to it children need to be more scared
0: (laughs) (laughs) i think they're scared of like proper material things now which is much sadder really
1: i think okay i guess maybe this is my point when i was young Mm-hmm. I used to be a really big fan of stuff like C.S. Lewis yeah. and, you know, fantasy universes. Mm-hmm. And then I got introduced to Jacqueline Wilson. Right. And I found Jacqueline Wilson so upsetting as a writer. Okay. Because she was writing about real things that ah, might happen yeah. to you. Like, in her, universe, in her universe, children aren't listened to by adults. Yeah. And they get abused. And there are things that adults can't do to help you out. mm and I was like, no, I'd much rather have the possibility be that I die because a witch kills me than, yeah. than be in this weird, horrible universe. Oh yeah,
0: this is what I mean. When you said like children need to be more scared of these things, I was like, yeah. Yeah. you know, children are scared, but they're scared of actually scary things. Yeah,
1: no, we need to get children back to being scared of stupid
0: monsters. Yeah. <laughs> so that is a distinct possibility. Okay. But the reason that was eventually kind of settled on by the adults of the area and it was kind of an unlikely alliance of christians communists and the national union of teachers (laughs) they decided that the blame lay squarely at the foot of american horror comics
1: oh my god yeah okay
0: and this created a moral panic because these Yay! sorts of things always do about how these comics are corrupting young minds and everything like that.
1: What kind of horror comics were there?
0: I mean, I saw some of them. They're pretty dark in some uh, okay, places. Okay, fair enough.
1: And were kids in Glasgow in this particular area reading loads of these?
0: Hard to say. <laughs> okay. I'll get onto that a little bit. I'll just talk about what the adults did first, and then we'll go into like whether or not this is actually likely...
1: Fair enough. I just also appreciate that it's the National Union of Teachers, oh, yeah. of whom I was a member <laughs> before they merged with yeah. the NASUWT, I think. Nasut. Actually, is that one still alive? <laughs> I, I have don't no know. idea. It merged with one of the other unions, and now it's the NEU.
0: Well, either way, they teamed up with Christians and Communists in order to fight this moral evil. Wow. And the campaign got a lot of momentum. It actually reached Parliament because it was championed by the Labour MP for Gorbals, a woman by the name of Alice Cullen, as well as the Archbishop of Canterbury.
1: Wait, Alice Cullen? Yeah. That's the name of one of the vampires in Twilight.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. You, okay no this is perfect this is perfect yeah she doesn't want these things scaring young minds but it's because the boys had wooden spears and she's like oh shit they found out our weakness mm-hmm. i can't have this we've got to like get rid of all these comics
1: <laughs> absolutely i think alice is the one who can
0: tell the future as well she knows ma'am. <laughs> Well, this group was successful, so she did her job. In 1955, the Children and Young Persons Harmful Publications Act was passed, and that bill still exists to this day. Okay. Uh, Just for the act itself, uh, Section 1 defined the kind of publication in which the act was intended to deal with. Mm -hmm. It It applied to... Any book or magazine or other like work which is of a kind likely to fall into the hands of children or young persons and consists wholly or mainly of stories told in pictures, with or without the addition of written matter, portraying the commission of crimes, acts of violence or cruelty, or incidents of a repulsive or horrible nature.
1: Okay, that is really specific. I
0: know, right?
1: But it's fine <laughs> if it's a novel.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But like I said, this bill still is technically exists to this day.
1: Wow, yeah. this is probably something I should know about. And yet I don't.
0: <laughs> so interestingly enough, this group specifically mentioned two comics. Okay. There were Tales from the Crypt and Vaults of Horror.
1: I've heard of Tales from the Crypt.
0: Yeah, these are quite big publications. Yeah. Neither of them made any reference to an iron-toothed monster. Right, okay. But another comic which isn't mentioned was Dark Mysteries. Okay. Which in its 15th issue, which was in December 1953, had a story entitled... The Vampire with the Iron Teeth.
1: Okay, it is
0: Yeah. So some of the uh, boys maintain to this day that they'd not heard of these comics at all. This was just not a thing. Yeah. Like I said, um, there were interviews with one gentleman who said, like, we hadn't seen... Christopher Lee films we didn't know what a vampire was or anything like that but
1: I could see it where like say an older boy had got hold of this comic and then spread
0: rumours around the schoolyard exactly there were other uh, boys who were interviewed who were basically like these american comics were almost treated like illicit goods yeah they'd be like you you had to know the right person in order to be able to see them and there were only a few copies available that did the rounds and as you say it just needs someone to like tell this story and be like i made this up or i or this is i heard that this happened in
1: in glasgow near where we live yeah
0: exactly so it, it doesn't seem like mm. anyone really mentioned this specific comic, but, like, these comics yeah. were certainly available. I
1: mean, I can totally see this happening because I definitely remember, like, girls at my school telling me, like, ghost stories that yeah. ended with the callers coming from inside yes. the house. <laughs> and, you know, I thought, wow, that's so original <laughs> and so interesting. And then I was like, oh, hang on a second. <laughs> I just hadn't seen that film.
0: yeah. Kids do that. Yeah, they, they just, really do. Yeah, you just sort of take something and like other people don't know it, so you pass it off as your own. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's kind of the end of this story, but I just want to finish with kind of the ultimate irony of this, fact, of this whole thing. <laughs> okay. Because, like I said, this was a moral panic that changed a lot about the comic industry, as it were. Okay. And it came out of Scotland. And Scotland... The comic industry there at the time was based around the Dandy and the Beano. Oh
1: my god.
0: Which were just incredibly wholesome and everything like that. They so, really
1: are. Yeah,
0: so it's like this this bill that's about, you know, oh, these comics are corrupting children, we have to do something about them. What's mainly around there is Beano and Dandy.
1: <laughs> I mean, okay, so they are wholesome, but... It is the origin of like Dennis the Menace and stuff like that. It is definitely like a you thumb your nose at authority figures and Mm. you only care about sweets kind of thing. Like it's (laughs) cute, but at the same time, I could understand people in the nineteen fifties maybe being like
0: Possibly so, yeah. Mm. But either way, this is this is what happened. A vampire hunt legitimately ended with an act of parliament.
1: That's hilarious.
0: (laughs) oh my god so thank you so much for listening to that episode of That Time When you can follow us on Twitter at That Time When 4 and if you give us a little shout out on there we'll give you a little shout out in the episode it if... would be
1: super useful if you can do that because yeah. it's the main way we can get out to more listeners mm. which we
0: really want to do absolutely and if you would like to suggest a topic for an episode you can email us at ttwpod at gmail
1: please email us we're running out of ideas
0: <laughs> how dare you (laughs)
1: thank you as always to kevin mcleod for our theme song anachronist as well as any other music that barnaby's used in the podcast
0: and thank you for listening now go out invest in eels and hunt vampires
1: goodbye